Hello everyone and <clears throat> welcome to another reading from the book I've been reading for quite some uh, weeks now and that is the uh, book by Esther Villar, Man Manipulated Man and uh, so I'm on to the next chapter now and uh, this one is called Children as Hostages Children are endearing, which in itself is no reason for producing them. The creation of a child is in effect the creation of an adult, man or woman. And I've highlighted this. Most adult men live in a state of permanent hell. And the happiness of most women is not only primitive, but obtained mostly at other people's expense. So there is no justification for reproducing them. It would be t mistaken to maintain that only women are interested in having children. Men want them too. Children are one of the two or three excuses by which they justify their subjection to women. Women, on the other hand, need children to justify their laziness, stupidity and lack of responsibility. Both sexes exploit the child, therefore, for their own ends. And how many guys have listened to the uh, listening to this have known women in their workplace who have been at work and all of a sudden get pregnant? How many women have you known that been in the workplace and get pregnant and then immediately take pregnancy leave, you know? And then they come back for a few weeks and then they don't come back at all. I think uh, I've known women do that. So really, children, I think more than anything, is a way for women to get out of having to go to work. Although the whole world is full of half-starved orphans, every couple produces its own brood. Man must have a reason to be enslaved when later on his sexual powers have declined. And this reason must also explain his enslavement to a particular woman. This is simple. She is, after all, the mother of his children. Since woman is the excuse for his subjugation, he can only have one at a time. In every industrial society, man is the monolithic, I, monog monogamous. More than one god, brackets woman, would make him insecure 
lead him to question his own identity and throw him back into the state of freedom he is constantly trying to escape. Questions such as this do not interest women, as she does not think abstractly. The problems of existential anxiety do not touch her. She has no need for a deity to give meaning to her life. All she needs is an excuse for making one particular man work for her long after he ceases to want to go to bed with her. This excuse is provided by bearing his children. If men outnumbered women three to one, a woman would not hesitate to have a child by each of three men and let that each of them work for his own child, that is, for her, and play the three men off against each other. Their achievements and her comfort would thereby, thereby be enormously increased. It is a popular misconception that woman is less inclined to polygamy than men. When a man engenders children, he gives a woman hostages in hopes that she will exploit him forever. It is the only thing that gives him some sort of stability and the, and the only way of adjusting the senseless slavery to which he has been conditioned. When he works for his wife, the child and child, it is less important that he is supporting two particular human beings who do not look after themselves. One will not because she is female and the other cannot because he is too small. He is working for a system which embraces everything in this world that is poor helpless and in need of protection, in brackets, poor, helpless and in need of protection as such, and which, so he believes, really needs him. Thanks to wife and child, man has acquired an excuse, an artificial justification for his wretched existence for his subjection. He calls this arbitrarily created system, this holy unit, his family in brackets. Woman accepts his services in the name of the family, accepts the hostages he entrusts to her and proceeds to carry out his desires by binding him ever more tightly to her and blackmailing him until he dies. And whose gain is it? Hers. Both man and woman only stand to gain by having children, otherwise they would not produce them. That's a very interesting last sentence. 
Man's advantage lies in the fact that he appears to lead a more meaningful life and that he is able to become a slave forever. And woman has all the other advantages. And I've highlighted this. These must be considerable for any female today as the choice between a professional life or having children and nearly all of them choose children. This may suggest that women decide in favour of a home and family simply because they love children, but women are not capable of unconditional love a child should have. This can easily be proved. Women only care for their own children, never those of others. A woman will accept a child who is not her flesh and blood only when she is physically incapable of having her own, and this only after everything has been tried, including artificial insemination by an unknown donor. Although orphanages throughout the world are full of appealing needy children, and although the newspapers and TV report daily on the number of little Africans Indians or South Americans who are starving to death. A woman would rather give a stray dog or cat a home than a deserted child. And yet she pretends to love children. It is difficult to prove that women do not really love children that they use them only to their own advantage. After all, pregnancy, childbirth and the care of an infant are not without some degree of unpleasantness and discomfort. Such factors are unimportant, however, when one considers what a woman is getting in exchange. Lifelong security, comfort and freedom from responsibility. What would man have to do to achieve a situation vaguely resembling a woman's state? That pregnancy is not as unpleasant as it made out to be, has now, by now even reached the ears of men. Many women feel healthier when expecting a child, and it is becoming fashionable to admit it openly. Why should they worry if they look ugly and unattractive in their figures lumpy, skin spotty, hair stringy and legs swollen? They are not after a man now. They already have one. He, of course, has no choice but to watch his butterfly turn into a caterpillar. He did it after all. It is his child she is expecting, his child, who is deforming her, what right has he to find her clumsy and repulsive, and after all, she is losing her youth because of him. As far as giving birth itself is concerned, the fantasies still surrounding it are so hair-raising, 
that it would never occur to man that women bear children for their own sake and not for his. The phrase she presented him with a child so popular in the novel, novels of previous centuries may well out of, may well have gone out of use, but in contemporary literature, but it has been fixed in the conscience of men. And when their offspring arrive, they are filled with feelings of guilt because of the sufferings of the woman, not those of the newborn infant, please note. Yet a man only has to imagine that in return for spending six hours at the dentist, he will be offered a cynic cure for life. He would certainly accept such an offer. Of course, difficult births do occur, but they are as a rule painless since the advent of anaesthetics. In general, a woman suffers no more during childbirth than she would during a long, prolonged session at the dentist. What men tell, what women tell men about giving birth is usually shamelessly exaggerated. The ear-splitting shrieks from the delivery room which penetrate their ears are no more than a sign of the same lack of self-control and pride that we have already dealt with at length elsewhere. Painless birth has existed for years. By doing exercises, women can train themselves to have their children without anaesthetics or discomfort. It would be to women's advantage to decide whether or not having a child is painful. As long as some say one thing and some others say something else, they lose credibility and thus damage their common interest. Of course, an assumed air of helplessness and a subsequent excuse for spending their lives doing easy work without a boss ordering them around, is not the only reason why women produce little children being human beings. One day, for example, a woman may discover that her body functions rather like a slot machine. You put in something insignificant and trifling, and something different and fabulous falls out. Of course, she is tempted to try this wonderful game. And when she has played it once, she will repeat it over and over again. It nearly always works. Exactly nine months later, out comes a human being. She is astonished and delighted. The operation of this slot machine is fundamentally as legitimate as when a person hits another on the head and the latter immediately collapses simply because it is biologically possible. If each game with her body slot machine did not involve some future effort, she would soon become insatiable. So she draws the line at the point where one more child would increase her workload and decrease her security and comfort.
As a rule, this limit is easily determined, usually by the degree of automation in any one household. In highly industrialised countries, the average woman aims at having two or three children. In North America, where housework is almost totally automated, the optimum is nearer three. In Western Europe, where certain appliances are not yet used, the ideal is nearer two. An only child is seldom desirable, and more than three are considered antisocial because of their noise and the smell of washing. An only child affords no benefits, only disadvantages. The woman never seems as unprotected and tied to her home as she should be. Apart from that, something might happen to the child, possibly when the mother is past childbearing age. Then she would have no excuse for having things made comfortable for her, and her husband would have no reason to go on working for her alone. Also, an only child has no playmate, and the mother would have to play with him. If there's anything a woman loathes, is having to play with children. Children are curious about absolutely everything, but a woman has no interest at all, except for a few idiotic forms of entertainment offered by her house and her own body. With the best will in the world, it is difficult for a mother to enter into the adventurous world of a child. She may have a small repertoire of insipid stock phrases to amuse a toddler. Look who's coming now. But by the age of two, a child has started to think for himself and woman is left behind. The cliché about the common interests of father and son. Father cannot stop playing with his son's model railway. Cannot be applied to mother and son, or even to mother and daughter. If a woman makes an effort and spends half an hour playing with her child, more might stunt its mental development. She tells the whole world as if it were a great achievement, which of course it is in terms of self-denial. To guarantee material security and allow a woman to seem helpless and incapable of earning a living, two or three children are necessary. This minimises the risk of old age without children or grandchildren, who prove their respect and love, their gratitude to her for being such a good mother and grandmother. Besides, the children keep each other amused, leaving mother free for superior occupations, sewing, for example, or baking. Her maternal care consists of locking the children in a room together and coming in only when one of them gets hurt and screams loud enough to summon her. 
It follows that raising and training two or more children is much easier than bringing up one. To instill obedience into, old, into an only child, the mother has to evolve complex methods to outsmart and persuade it and to get it to see reason, or it has to be punished. Since this is a nuisance, the mother usually leaves it to the father. Several children, on the other hand, can be trained by emotional blackmail, as they are all dependent on their mother's approval, and she has only to show a slight preference for one, and the others will do anything she tells them to. Every child lives in constant fear that its mother will, will withdraw her love and give it to someone else. And if this fear does not create affection between siblings, as if a woman would care, it at least increases their competitiveness and performance. Even later, when the children have long since grown up, they will still vie with each other for their mother's respect. The sons satisfy their ambitions in their work, the daughters in the amassing of property. From time to time they are all gathered together and return to mother. Mother, of course, regards this as a sign of their affection and likes to call the interest her children take in each other's progress a sense of family. On such occasions, she renders an accounting of his or her latest acquisitions. But all these advantages hold true when there are only two or three children. A woman with more than three, usually because of an oversight on her part, or religious beliefs on her husband's, will have plenty to occupy her for a few years even with the freedom to organise her own timetable and without the responsibility of earning their daily bread. A sense of responsibility, as far as the children are concerned, is, in any case, alien to woman. The increased activity only lasts until the youngest child reaches nursery school age. There is, however, one further small advantage in having a large family. The husband is unlikely to leave before all the children are grown up. A man who leaves his wife with four or more children even if he cannot stand sight of her a moment longer, is considered almost a criminal in our society. However, by the time the children have started school, most of even a prolific woman's work is done. Once again, she has time to and money to enjoy herself. To a certain extent, she will go to the hairdresser, arrange flowers in vases, paint her furniture according to the latest suggestions 
in women's magazines and care for her valuable body. In most Western countries, school lasts all day, and in the few places where it does not, men are busying themselves with their customary vigour to change the system. They have established through their research that children who are not exposed to the influence of their mothers for half a day can develop their mental faculties faster and therefore are capable of great achievements later on. The practical application of this discovery, which women do not consider at all humiliating after all, they lack man's sense of honour and therefore cannot be offended in this way. It is therefore doubly in their own interest. That's the end of that chapter. And very, very damning it is too. Um, you know, I mean, that uh, chapter is, is just chapter and verse of my experience having uh, a wife and children. Um, that is, um, you know, chapter and verse. Um, exactly how it plays out. Um, and several times she's mentioned the need for a man to be some kind of sort of a slave to a woman. I know. I think that's very true, but very uncomfortable as well. Uh, I think that's why so many men uh, carry on in marriages that should long. Uh, since have, have been um, absolved because um, of his sense of honour and responsibility. Um, and as she says there, you know, the more the youngest children has to grown up, otherwise he'd be called a criminal if he leaves. Um, But I think this sort of need to be you know not free, I think this need comes from the boy's um own childhood. It comes from his own childhood. I think it comes from the feeling of wanting to have somebody like a mother there. Um, who is sort of um, going to make everything safe for him or, or, you know, tell him what to do even. Um, and you do see couples like that very often where um, the man is really like a grown child and uh, relies on the woman so much for everything. Um yeah, I see that very often indeed. Um, so I think from the outset, a, a man or a boy is uh, very much a disadvantage from the outset because of that. Um, and as he learns to be honourable and 
you know, responsible um, and, you know, to be a good man, the more it's impossible for him to do anything but what, you know, makes him feel comfortable. Um, and uh, there are men who leave their wives with children. There are, but I don't think there's many. And if they do, as it says there, they get all sorts of abuse held at them. Um, so uh, another excellent, excellent chapter here. And uh, if you uh, needed any more reasons why you shouldn't marry or have children, um, you know, this is it really, I um, mean, in this chapter, um, you know, because it's all about, for the woman, it's all about having the children and therefore giving her the safety and the, you know, guarantee of a man um, working for her. So, um, you know, that's the, mi the mindset of a woman, really. So, um, you know, I think uh, young guys um, listening to this might think, you know, that it's all about uh, sex and everything. And I think there is a stage, is a stage where women um, are very promiscuous, I think. All women are very promiscuous. And they, you know, are very promiscuous at the younger age. And they're... I honestly think that they've had so much sex that they get bored of it. You know, the same old thing. So then their mind starts to think about what else can I do to make my life more interesting and, and you know, more, um, you know, guarantee my future. Um, with a husband and children and so then she gets the baby rabies that's what that you know at that age the baby rabies um, and uh, so you know quite a lot of guys uh, on the uh, blogs that I read uh, they already say that you know a woman has had multiple multiple partners by you know, 18, 19 nowadays. Um, so already, already she doesn't value um, that sexual tie and that, um, you know, that sort of, uh, you know, deep relationship, I think. I think her attention... Uh, turns to what else can she do to give herself 
a comfortable life. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing uh, play out now in society. Uh, you know, you see, um, you know, just walking around, you see, looking at girls, um, you can see by looking at them, they've already look, like I've been around the block a few times, um, you know, you see them um, with a lot of uh, piercings and tattoos and um, all this sort of thing. Um, so, I think the big danger is that you could easily think that uh, our girl hasn't got piercings or tattoos, so let's look a bit deeper. I wish she looks like a good girl. She looks like a good girl and, uh, you know, she comes from a good family and she's a good girl and she looks like a good girl. But the trouble with that is, I think, uh, the, the female is the perfect chameleon. So she can go from the uh, the party girl, uh, the slut type girl, to looking like the church girl very, very quickly and very easily. You can easily be succumbed by this, what appears to be an angelic looking girl. Um, and think oh, it's not possible that she could have had multiple partners. Well, there's one thing for sure, you will never find out how many partners she's had. She will never ever tell you how many partners she's had or what she's done in the bedroom with these guys. She will never ever admit it. So you'll never really truly know So, something to bear in mind, something to bear in mind, and um, as I said before, in one of my previous readings, the way I see at my um, old age now, 58 this year, the way I see forward four guys is very much to um, be uh, a single guy and to have a group of good friends, good buddies that are as reliable as possible. I think that is the way forward um, and have a good number of contacts, um, you know, professional contacts and uh, successful business type contacts um not the i wouldn't say you know just the buddies that like to go to the pub and get drunk or something i'd say really have a mix of uh buddies that are going to be helping you um in life to push on your life and to push your life forward with uh, things like investments and um, trading in the stock market I think particularly is an area that I've been looking into in the last few months and uh, it's not as difficult as you would might, might think um, to 
do. I've been doing technical analysis. I mean, there's courses that uh, you can get free or uh, very low cost and things like this. Um, and uh, so it's about your own success. It's about your own happiness. It's about stacking your money and keeping it safe away from the marriage machine which at the very least you could lose half of your efforts during your life very easily um, it's just something, something to think about is that you, your time that you spent during your whole life half of that time could be taken by somebody taking your possessions and your money, at least 50% of it. It's something to think about. And uh, so I think there is a, f a way forward for the single guy. There's a way forward, and that is, as I say, a good group of friends, um, a solid financial base. I think travelling and enjoyment of hobbies, enjoyment of sightseeing um, and full enjoyment of your own life, uh, you know, which is very short incredibly short I mean I've, I vividly remember sort of going to the uh, going out on New Year's Day to on New Year's Eve of 2000 to a friend of uh, a local friend of my wife's and her husband and I remember vividly walking back from their house and it didn't it doesn't seem very long ago at all um, so the the problem is with the, all of this is that the uh, years go by so very very quickly. Um, I'm sure you must have heard that said many times before. But um, you know, if you're young listening to this and you think, "God, you're 58 and you know, right old git," well, it zooms by, and you know, um, one year merges into another really uh, if, unless you're careful um, and so you can easily 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 lose 10 years easily um, without even thinking about it so um, I think uh, that uh, this is a great time actually to be single and to be um, unmarried as it could you know it could be the greatest time for men I think uh, the greatest uh, you know time for single guys to um, become uh, you know incredibly powerful actually um, and I always think of uh, a king type figure, you know, you could be a very powerful king type figure. Um, 
and the irony of course in all of this is that uh, women throw themselves at the uh, alpha king um, they absolutely throw themselves at the alpha type a man um, who is wealthy and that's the irony of this um, I think there's an excellent uh, series that is sort of extremely funny that's um, Jeeves and Worcester um, if you can ever see that it was an ITV series in the UK um, and uh, had Stephen Fry and uh, Hugh Laurie and it was really excellent um, and uh, Jeeves uh, spent most of his time trying to stop Worcester getting involved with these uh, women who wanted to marry him and you know looking back on it now um, it's an excellent excellent series for guys to look at and maybe learn a few truths there as well um, so yeah I think it's a wonderful time for guys um, really is you know uh, I don't think there could there could be almost no limit to you know guys greatness uh, in remaining single and building power and uh, building networks uh, you know whatever it is that you really enjoy whether it be business be uh, um, you know um, hobbies and that type of thing um, I think it's a great time anyway I shall stop rambling now and I hope uh, listening to this and listening to me might uh, actually make the younger guys uh, feel empowered to take their power which they have always had in singleness you always have the power and you can always build your power in single singleness and you can um you know if you do uh, i wish you all the best and uh, so i'll sign off now all the best and see you in the next chapter. Bye for now.